0: Hi, this is Steve O'Mooney, and you're listening to another great show, only on the 4i Radio Network. For more great shows, feel free to check out www.4iradio.com.
1: Wallop and web snappers! My spider sense is tingling My spider sense
0: tells
1: me I'm in for some trouble. My spider sense
0: is picking up trouble. Something
1: is turning my spider sense I feel my spider My spider sense tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Welping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug, and I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? Oh, hold on. I'm trying
0: to lift all of this equipment while also not drowning at the same time.
1: You can do it. To listen to the show, find us on foureyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. If you are wanting to watch along with us as we work our way through the second season of spectacular spider-man you can do so on dvd and blu-ray although the blu-ray is out of print so i hope you have a pretty penny to spend on it otherwise you can find it on most digital platforms and last week we had some word snappers words oh that's right we did i'm so glad you got my setup It was so subtle. Thank you for
0: the tee up. Well, it's funny. (laughs) No, it's it's so funny that you did it when you did, though, because I literally had just scrolled back up to the top of the page to, like, remind myself what the words were, and then you said it. So it was, like, fresh in my mind, so it worked out. Oh, perfect. Because it's also – because I've definitely – there's definitely been times when I've like gotten distracted like or been looking like forward in the notes or something while you're yeah. talking, and I could have very easily missed it. So that's great. I feel like people probably got it. But the words were megalodon, more like megalodont, a, <laughs> hey. And that was submitted by Tommy Prophet.
1: Yes, a very, very beautiful submission because it made it nice and easy to set up. All I had to do was say megalodon. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep, yep. A yep. very natural thing to say. uh
0: uh-huh. <laughs> Hey, you know what? You found the opening. That's oh, yeah. that's that's all we ever gotta do. <laughs> if you would like to submit some words, you can just do that on our Patreon. You can become a patron at any level. And uh, you can play walloping word snappers by submitting uh submitting some words that we have to say in one of the episodes that we're recording that month even if they are uh, involving words that we generally never say, like megalodon. I don't know. Maybe you say it a lot in your casual conversations. Constantly. I I, I, I can't say that I do, so.
1: (laughs) Well, today we are talking more about the spectacular Spider-Man, and we are talking about an episode that is kind of important, if only because it may or may not clarify a lot of what we were talking about last week. Last week felt very much like a setup, perhaps a little bit confusing, there was a plan we weren't sure if it was the plan that it was what was shown or there was more to it or or not and and this episode may or may not clarify that so i'm excited to to dip in especially because uh you can you can speak freely now Derek.
0: (laughs) god why was i i have gone through so much with you knowing spoilers and not sharing them and been so good about it and now the second that like you know what i'm talking about or we're trying to like pretend pretend that we're like only talking about that one episode like pretend like we don't know what's happening next yeah. for some reason i just can't fucking do it
1: so I we don't. okay you may or may not have heard this last episode it honestly just depends on whether or not i was able to like hide it we'll see who knows
0: and it what will the future hold bullshit. i don't know (laughs) It's our
1: future, it's your past, whatever. But basically, if you still don't know somehow, we record these two episodes at a time. So we are frequently one episode ahead of what we're actually talking about. But with Spectacular Spider-Man specifically, I've never seen it. And so we have the ability to talk spoiler free but if we've seen two episodes we kind of have to pretend we don't know what's happening. We knew what was ha- like what happened in this episode we're about to talk about last week and had to work around a particular reveal that happens right off the bat.
0: Yeah, it's not normally an issue, but I guess because there's so many like like kind of weird fake outs in the last episode and then also the fact that this episode, yeah, like you said, literally right off the bat it's just like, okay, here's what happened. Okay, yeah. now now let's just continue. Like that's why I think that's and that's also why the last in the last episode I was sort of like Kind of talking like they don't really treat the mystery that seriously because they don't really make his reveal in this in this episode right. that big of a reveal. The episode literally the first shot is hey it's me Doc Ock I was him yes. all along anyway let's go <laughs> right
1: and we will we will dissect that in just a moment because I do I do think based on how we watched this series and when I do think we're seeing it differently now at the same time like yeah. now that we, you and I are watching it both in twenty twenty from different perspectives it seems like we're seeing it differently so i'm excited to get to it we are talking about the spectacular spider-man season two episode four entitled sheer strength and this is the synopsis from imdb new year's eve period dr octopus comma who hid in dr osborne's lab comma what finally pits his master plan pits his master plan in action Good Lord. He hacks in by satellite to most computers in the city. He kidnaps Gwen to blackmail her dad, comma, police captain George Stacy, comma, that was actually a a good use of punctuation, uh, into handling him the top, oh, handing him the top secret national network access codes. Spider-Man must liberate her, SAT word, from the monster's layer, L-A-Y-E-R, before the captain hands Dr. Octopus virtual world control. Thank you, Contributor, for writing that beautiful synopsis. I enjoyed it. I like the phrase
0: virtual world control. Yes. Because that's like Mark Zuckerberg, kind of.
1: Oh, God. Anyway, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Hopefully the the first and last mention of Mark Zuckerberg on this podcast. Ever, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The uh, international air date for this episode was February 8th, 2009, and then it aired in the U.S. on July 6th, 2009. The uh, writers and directors for this episode are pretty familiar. Uh, Randy Jant, Jant, we had a conversation about how to pronounce his name. We talked about him before, but I don't remember what we landed on. He wrote the episode, and it was directed by Jennifer Coyle. Both of them together, we talked about on our episode 16, because they wrote Reaction together, which was Doc Ock's first episode, or his his origin episode. So it makes sense that they're coming back for this one together. Yeah,
1: and I loved that episode. Well, did you? I think I, I did. I don't know. I just no, I love Doc Ock. I probably you didn't. love I don't Doc know. Ock.
0: You had a lot of problems with the way. Uh, both of us had a lot of problems with the way that like
1: women were written in that episode. I think was. Oh the problem. well, that's fair. That okay. That yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Very fair. Um. There's. We're playing with the pieces on the board at this point, which is pretty fun and cool. So not really any new characters worth mentioning, and anybody being spotlighted as somebody. That's been spotlighted before, Um, and it seems a little silly to specifically, you know, talk at length about the voice of Master Planner when the voice of Master Planner is literally just Doc Ock, who we've already talked about. So, huzzah! Yep.
0: Another thing that makes the reveal kind of an unreveal is that like all the master planner credits in the end credits of this show so far have listed his name as Peter McNichol. And it'll literally say like master planner comma, Dr. Octopus. So like-
1: <laughs> uh, I'll argue. I I I'll push back on that because there are a number of actors who play multiple characters. True. And when they, they are credited as multiple characters with commas, they are credited as the same person with a slash. So last episode, it was, Master planner, comma, Dr. Octopus. in this episode, it is credited as master planner slash Dr. Octopus. okay. So okay. they actually were intentional about how they specifically wrote the credits
0: okay, fair. i didn't I didn't realize that they did the punctuation difference, didn't notice yeah. that. That actually is very clever.
1: yes. so i was I did see that at in the episode prior to this. And of course, my brain at one point was like, oh, like I guess it could be that. But at the same time, like I had already been seeing. Because I'm specifically crediting this show from the the credits on screen as opposed to like IMDb or whatever, which has spoiled me in the past. Um, I didn't think too much about it.
0: Okay, cool. Well, good. Yeah.
1: Doesn't matter, though, because this episode literally opens with them saying, all right, Master Planner, welcome home. And it's Dr. Octopus. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Because yeah. last week... I think we were beginning to see perhaps a difference in how you and I perceived the first three episodes of the season and whether the master planner thing is satisfying, effective. uh, Um, Like, I don't know what, what word you would use.
0: Yeah, I guess so. It's cause I, okay. Like I, I was sort of thinking, I think, I think where we landed last week is you were right is that we were kind of looking at it from two different perspectives and that I knew all along that it was him because obviously i've seen the show before but even when i was watching it live i knew a master planner in the comics and just and and all the clues kind of pointed towards him for me so i just sort of assumed so for me i actually like i do like this reveal i don't think that it's like i but i don't think it's a matter of it being satisfying or unsatisfying because for me it felt like it was just never much of a mystery to begin with it was a mystery for spider-man and there's, like, a little bit of a mystery for the audience, but its I don't think it's I, – I feel like it's just not – it wasn't really super presented as, like, a heavy mystery on the level as, like, the Goblin or even, like, even the big man to an extent. For him, it was different because we never had, like, any – red herrings or anything for who the big man was. Um, yeah. And then it like kind of falls in the middle, I guess. Right. Cause the big man, like we never knew who he was in the first place. And the only reason that, that there would be a red herring, which would be like the Kingpin is the, the meta of it. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you have the green goblin, which was all very centered on like, who is it? Who's, is it Harry or Norman or, or what? Yeah. And this kind of falls in the middle because like, you don't really like, like they, they take strides to, to kind of fool us and 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 it's coming from the perspective of, of Doc Ock himself to like that it's not Ock and then it turns out to be Ock. And the fact that this episode opens with very minimal fanfare revealing that Doc Ock is the master planner so much so that it's like barely reveal at all because it barely even registers. Um, and then in addition to that, there's the joke later on. Where once Spider-Man finally figures it out, it's almost kind of like a meta joke where Doc Ock is like, "Oh wow, really smart that you figured it out after I revealed who I was." Because I think that that's less targeted towards Spider-Man and more t- towards the audience. That it's like, yeah, Spider-Man's like the last person to know the thing that everyone else already knew. Like,
1: I guess, but I don't know. You might feel differently. I, I well, I didn't feel any of that actually. So okay. like, yeah. I mean, I it's I I'm I'm curious. Specifically about because for whatever reason, whether I've never encountered it or my brain never retained it, like hearing Master Planner did not make me think Doc Ock, even if that's literally who it is in the comics as well. Sure. So like that's just something I'm not familiar with or didn't remember. So for me, it it, it, the name had no significance whatsoever. So I'm I'm curious to know what the clues were, because you said that there were clues that all pointed to it being Doc Ock, and I don't think there were. Oh, more in the meta thing? Because I
0: think the fact that it was the same voice actor and it does, and like it's clearly the same voice actor when you know it's that voice actor. See, I don't think Uh, it is. That was my thing.
1: (laughs) You say it was clearly the same person, but I I didn't recognize the actor through, and maybe because I wasn't trying to, but I didn't recognize It's not like I heard the modulated voice and was like, aha, that is the same person.
0: No, I mean, you can tell after you know that that's who's voicing him. And and you can know from the credits and, and if you if you're already suspecting that it's Ock and sure. you see in the credits that they're the same voice, you can hear it like every okay. time he's
1: on there. See and I think that's why for me it still works. Because I still think I still think a lot of that is all meta. So like yeah. if, if I showed this sh- if I showed this um this TV show to a kid or somebody who just doesn't know anything about Spider Man, I do think they would be wondering who the master planner was, similar to the way that I was. Um and I think what that does is it actually makes this reveal like a... a kind of a a wet fart of a reveal because for the past three episodes, you're kind of wondering what it was. And, and I guess you might be able to guess, but I do think it would be a pretty wild guess if you had no outside information that Doc Ock was actually the master planner from the end of the last one. But I don't actually think that the way that that was portrayed indicated that he was the master planner so much as that, like the master planner literally said, I'm disappointed in Doc Ock. So I, mm-hmm. I, I I don't think for somebody without any information that, that anything pointed in the show to this being the case. And if that is the case for somebody watching, I think this reveal is like really bizarre because you've been wondering for three episodes and presumably three weeks. And then like suddenly they're like, oh, by the way, it's this guy. And that's fine because I love Doc Ock um, and it still yeah. works out okay. It's just like it was it was kind of a weird, weird uh, a thing, thing to do to encounter, I guess, if you were actively wondering.
0: It's weird no matter what. I think for me, I was sort of viewing it through the lens of what we talked about a lot in the last season of like how the show sort of kind of weaponizes knowing that the audience, like the audience's expectations, like it knows that a lot of the stuff is things that the audience knows. But, but I think that there is a fair counter argument to the fact that like there's a difference between a lot of people. Knowing that Eddie Brock becomes Venom or like an Osborne is a is a goblin, like which is is kind of common, is a lot more common knowledge than like the master planner is Dr. Octopus, which like you didn't even know. Well, so- but I think
1: <laughs> I think those are different though, not because of the common knowledge aspect of it, but because we you know, when we talk about this specific like weaponizing the meta thing, we frequently bring up spoiler, spoiler, spoilers, PS4 game. We frequently bring up Doc Ock from that game because. If you are in the know, you know what you're building up to. If you don't, it still has an emotional impact. In this case, I feel like this services people who know, be- like more or better than it services people who don't. Yeah. And I think that is an imbalance that I'm. I don't think this show is typically typically dabbling in. Right. So sure. if they're gonna play with with Shocker, for example, because we we are in the know on Shocker. There's some there's an added appreciation because we're in the know, but it all still works if you aren't. Same with the goblin stuff. Like yeah. it it there's an added effect or an added appreciation if you're in the know, but it all still works really well if you're not. This one I'm not entirely sure how I feel about because I feel like if it, it fail it fails is a strong word for the show, but I think it's It's not a bullseye where the show usually is for both sides of the equation. Because if you're in the know, you're like, okay, there's not really a payoff here for me. And if you're not in the know, you're kind of like, oh, the payoff just all happened at once and doesn't feel much like a payoff. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's like, it's weird. It's it's kind of weird because I feel like for the first time, and maybe it's because I'm very squarely on the other side of the meta, for this particular instance, like it it's, it's interesting to have it like feel like something, uh, didn't hit where I was expecting it was supposed to. Yeah. Like it didn't really pack a punch where I thought it was supposed to, but knowing that it happens at the very beginning of the episode sort of makes you be like, like makes you question like whether it was supposed to be a punch. I don't know. It's was, it was, all very weird, but yeah. Um, I, I,
0: well, I think, no, I think, I think that you're onto something and I, cause, cause I don't disagree with you. I think like, even with the way that I like my experience with it and like the way that I sort of like justify it. I think at the, the bottom line is that it's a weird way to handle it no matter what. And to me, it sort of feels like it almost, it feels like there's something missing in between the end of the last episode and the beginning of this episode. Like they, they knew where they wanted to go and they knew that they were ending the arc with this episode and they had a lot they needed to get done in this episode, but they also had a lot of, of stuff, action wise packed into the last episode yeah. and there's something missing that like there just wasn't room for between the two just because of how they structured everything. And, and maybe that's sort of the, the, the one very kind of arguably kind of minor flaw in the way that they've structured this show into like these little mini arcs that like sort of flow into each other is that if you're trying to like, keep your, ep- like, if you're trying to do this thing where you're playing with, like, episodes being self-contained episodes that also aren't self-contained because they're playing into, like, a larger arc that are sort of self-contained as an arc, but then also aren't self-contained because they flow into the next arc. Like, I think that you do have to be a lot more careful with how you structure everything, and I think that things can sort of slip through the cracks like this because it's sort of like, okay, well, we have to be done with this so we can get to this because we yeah. have a lot to do when we get to this, so we're going to have to skip all that middle stuff because um, there are a lot of ways that I I think they could have played with this whole like um, misdirect of of Ak like being kidnapped or whatever. Like they could have played that up. We could have seen Spider-Man like trying to rescue him or go after him or find him. Right. And we don't. Like as far as we know, he literally never knows that Ock was like kidnapped by his own tentacles. Like that never even like crosses his mind. It seems and I, like.
1: I think that highlights something that some of the the weaponized meta of the first season. Did that maybe this didn't, which is the, you, you sort of second guess your knowledge, right? So like when you're in the know, you're like, oh, okay, I'm expecting this, but then you sort of second guess it because they, they draw it out in a certain way or they misdirect you based on that. In this case, it doesn't seem like there was a misdirect for people who were in the know. Like it doesn't sound like there was a point where you were like, oh, master planner, that could be somebody else. And, and I think the, the first season does that a little bit more cuz i would sus- i suspect that if i go back and like examine the way i was thinking about things in the first season there was a lot of like i'm expecting it could be this but i i see that it could go this other way based on certain things they've set up even if it ended up being exactly what i thought like there's there's like a, a planted seed of doubt yeah So I I do think it's ultimately clever though, regardless, right? Like whether you're in the know or you're not, I think it's a clever thing to do. Even if the execution feels like it's missing a beat or a step, like you're talking about the, the Spider-Man being as much a witness to it as we are. But I, but I, I, I like what they were doing with it. And and it, and it we get the explanation like right off the bat at the beginning of this episode, because when Doc Ock is revealed as the master planner to us, he's revealed as the master planner to everybody else. I don't actually know who all is there, but I, we can just assume it's everybody else because they mm-hmm. never have like multiple reveals for the rest of the gang. Mm-hmm. We do get electro specifically saying like, I don't understand why you didn't just come with us then. Like if you're the master planner, why didn't you come with me? when Craven came to get us. And this is where we get that confirmation that, you know, Doc Ock is, and Tinker are the only ones who knew. Doc Ock specifically says, when building a secret empire of super criminals, the safety and obscurity of a hospital bed has its advantages. And I think Vulture says, like, it's much better than a prison cell or something to that effect. Right. And basically what Doc Ock is saying is like, he has freedom to do a little bit more in that setting, especially if he is fully duping Right. Like the the hospital. Um,
0: Dr. Kafka would never be on to him. Right. I mean, yeah, she'd also just
1: never. Yeah, she'd never catch on in the first place. (laughs) But, yeah, he's able to do his genius thing in that setting because they're not as worried about him doing his genius thing. Um, So it was basically in his mind the only way or the best way to get everybody together effectively because he is he is not part of the equation. Yeah. They would suspect him doing something. They might not suspect Rhino, you know. Right. Yeah, so, I think yeah.
0: it makes sense. It, I mean like yeah, it 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 makes sense.
1: Um I thought it was clever, but I I agree with you. I think there's something missing because I you know, I can appreciate this I can appreciate where they made it feel like he was being kidnapped and that was scary, only to have it be that he kidnapped himself. I like that. I think that's fun, but yeah. it it could have it could have lasted longer. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I will say I do really like this episode, like it kind of independent of everything else. So sure. it's, it, once once you kind of get past the, past the weirdness of the reveal, it ends up kind of justifying itself getting, getting it quickly out of the way because the stuff that comes after it when the mystery is gone is like, I feel like is really good or at least like really fascinating.
1: I will preface this by saying, just because it seems like this might be a thing this season, because they're building in a particular way. Mm-hmm. Now we're at a point as we record that I, as the person who's never seen this, have only seen what we are now talking about. Right? Yeah. So I don't know what happens after this episode ends, and I will say that there's still some confusion about what could be happening next, based on where this all ends. Yeah. So right. I still don't. I, st- I still don't have a full picture. Or I, I don't know if I have a full picture is the best way to put it. I don't know yet if I have a full picture of what Doc Ock was trying to accomplish or will ultimately accomplish because I don't know what happens next, which I think is important to call out. Sure.
0: Yeah. I think that's always that's always fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Cool. So there's a there's a lot there's a lot in this episode. So <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, so they're on this conversation, this reveal happens. Doc Got confirms that his retrieval must be indicative of the plan being ready, because Tinker was only gonna have him retrieved if it was time to do so. So Tinker confirms that all that's needed is testing. Uh, which he says extremely menacingly.
1: <laughs> 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 not the testing.
0: No, not the testing, the worst. Maybe he's talking about, like, standardized testing. That's pretty bad.
1: That is pretty terrible.
0: <laughs> it's pretty evil, too. Yep. Elsewhere, Peter meets up with Norman Osborn at a dilapidated building that is set to be demolished. And Peter's like, hell yeah, I'm a teenager. I love seeing stuff get demolished. This Blow is stuff up. Epic. And it's uh, Osborn kind of explains that it's going to be replaced with, like, an Oscorp R&D tower. There's like kind of a brief, like cool little cameo slash like yeah. early intro of a character that is named Morris Bench, who is the hmm. Demolitions
1: expert. Who we would typically expect to be Hydro Man. Uh-huh. I led up to that so you could skip ahead if you didn't recognize the name. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, luckily, he's not stalking MJ this time. He's just like Osborne's uh, demolitions expert. expert yeah. And just fun fact. He was voiced by Bill Faberbaki, um, who's like also in gargoyles and he's like Patrick on SpongeBob. And I don't oh. think I don't think we've run into him on this show. so no,
1: I don't think we have or if we have, it wasn't in a notable way.
0: Yeah, yeah. so he's there. He doesn't really get to do much in this episode or anything. This is not a Hydro Man episode, uh, though there is a lot of water in it. Um, True. <laughs> uh, because when Osborne uh, kind of gets a phone call or he gets news of a phone call or whatever, that that Tombs is still at large. And he is sort of like, hey, Peter, I need you to, to, to skedaddle because I have important supervillain things to talk about. So Peter kind of, like, leaves, but he doesn't go very far because he overhears the detonator skipping from 20 minutes to 30 seconds, and Bench cannot figure out how to shut it down, even though Norman Osborne very dramatically, as the camera closes in on his face, says, shut it down down Down. (laughs) he's like i'm i know that i'm in an action movie right now and i have to get the cool action
1: movie lines in (laughs) yep yep you know what's i you know what like what do you do in this circumstance because like i mean morris literally says like we will not get out in time it's impossible for us to get out of here in 30 seconds like at that point do you just like jump and hope for the best like hope that maybe you break some arms and legs and live
0: but like God! Like, what oh. a
1: horrifying thing to be faced with! Like, do I blow up or do I like, like, what do I do? Right. <laughs> like, I'm not like, sure what to do here.
0: Rational brain here is that it's sort of like you either blow up or you jump out of the building, and I feel like blowing up, you die more quickly than if you're jumping out of the building and have to be falling for a while. But if you um, jump out of the building, you still might survive. Mm, they're pretty Maybe. high up. I don't. I don't think know so. how
1: high up they are. How high up are they? <laughs> I
0: mean, they don't say, but like, I feel like it looks like from like the way that the that it looks. From, like, the open, like, walls and stuff. Like, it looks like they're really high.
1: <laughs> I still I feel like that... you'd think about it. I still feel like you'd consider it. I don't – <laughs> Not I, yeah. you, but, like, I feel like I, I feel like it would be reasonable to – in a moment where you're like, I don't want to blow up.
0: <laughs> no, I think, I think it's one of those things because you're going to be thinking on just, like, high panic adrenaline thing. Yeah. Like, I could see myself – not thinking about anything and just jumping off the fucking building. But I think (laughs) but I think it's also equally likely that you would just freeze up. Like that would be a freeze
1: up moment. Pretty much what they do. They're just like, Huh
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, you know, Peter was there, so you can guess that he's gonna be like, guess I should be Spider Man now. Very quickly suits up, pops in, to to rescue them. Osborne has a nice little moment where he worries about Peter and Peter recognizes like, "Oh, he does care" before, you know, <laughs> telling him that that he already secured him, made him free of the area. And then he does this cool little slingshot thing to slingshot uh Osborne and and Menken and Bench like onto a little web. It's it's really cool and neat. And he's like, "I am getting ready to leave myself as the timer ticks down to 0. And then yes. we cut to, it's a good cut to credits too. I like it. Yeah. It's a it's a good, good, good little tense one. This time the featured characters in the credits are Gwen, Liz, and Captain Stacy, which makes perfect sense for what happens in this episode.
1: Oh yes. Oh yes. This is not nearly as bad as the 90s show, but we did say that they never do the, like, does Spider-Man die moment? This is probably the closest they get, but they don't do it the way that the 90s show does, where the 90s show explicitly is like, he's dead now, Um, and then cut to commercial. They
0: would have showed the implosion, and then Osborn would have been like, he died, didn't he? And the music would, would <laughs> exactly. like, have an orchestral like sting before coming to commercial or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> so
1: if this is the closest we get, I'll take it for sure. Cause this is much better than that. Anyway, the building does implode, Right. Luckily, Spider-Man and the Oscorp folks are all safe, and we learn pretty quickly that the expedited demolition was the doing of Doc Ock and Adrian Toombs, who were both hoping that Osborne might also get caught in the destruction, perhaps? They're not fans, of course. (laughs) Despite this, though, despite not succeeding at at murdering Norman, they do consider the demolition a success, because, uh, as we saw, they're testing whatever their plan is, and we get a little bit of this plan, or at least the lead-up to the plan Right here, pretty much right off the bat. And that is that Dr. Octopus now has the ability or is testing the ability to control electronics, specifically in this case, the detonation device, with the same neural instructions that he uses to control his mechanical arms. And we learn a little bit more about how that works in, like, just a second. But I love this scene because isn't this where he's, like, talking about, you know, controlling his arms and controlling the detonator and then he, like, gets a cup of coffee? Yep. Yep. Like, opens a little thing that's just, like, in the wall, and the only thing in there is, like, a coffee maker with a note that says, please clean the coffee maker.
0: Yep, and a mug that says, evil genius.
1: (laughs) It's so great. Fantastic. So wonderful. (laughs) So wonderful. wonderful. But, like I said, they kind of explain a little bit more about this right after he gets his coffee and and is satisfied with himself and his evil genius mug. Mm -hmm. Basically, Adrian Toombs, and Doc Ock are, like, praising each other for – building this facility i mean like it's a full-blown facility out of the tech that mysterio stole into what they don't specifically name but operates like an antenna or an amplifier for those neural transmitters that doc ock is talking about so he basically is trying to amplify what he is already capable of doing and apply it to mechanics and technology that aren't just his arms
0: Yeah. Which is so clever. I love his plan. Like it's so, yeah, it's really scary. (laughs) Like it's a good, it's a good plan.
1: I like it a lot. I think it's really, really cool. And I'm, I'm so curious to know, and this is for the end of the episode, but I'm just curious to know what is left of it, if anything, because I'll I'll say it doesn't go well, you know?
0: Nope. Nope. Yeah. I like, I like that the master planner's master plan actually did kind of live up to it being a pretty, Pretty pretty big a master plan because I don't know if we've really gotten anything like this in the show yet, other than where it it is like we haven't really gotten like world domination villains like to this level like that that get this far with a plan to literally have world domination. So it does feel like kind of a kind of a major like upscaling of like the, the threats that Spidey is facing.
1: Yeah, is this? I don't know if this is a good time. Or if there's a better time to really tackle like the role of a new Sinister Six in all of this?
0: Oh, yeah, because it doesn't really ever come up after this. Um, okay. Because I just kind struggle yeah. with that. Because
1: <laughs> my question, and this is sort of the question that we were alluding to hopefully having some clarification on after the fact, is what's the point of a second Sinister Six, especially if they fail so miserably, right? The only explanation I can think of, knowing only these four episodes, is that the Sinister Six were partially... (sighs) Prior to the formation of the Sinister Six, members of the Sinister Six contributed to this being a possibility. Mysterio being one of the biggest pieces of that, right? We also see that Electro is a key component, because what... Doc Ock builds requires a massive amount of electricity. So we know that he's involved. Tombs, it makes sense because he is a scientist that gets along with and works well with and has similar motivations to Dr. Octopus. So that makes sense too. Rhino and Sandman don't make quite as much sense to me and so that's where the idea of it being a Sinister Six makes less sense unless the idea of it being a distraction somehow can justify it, but I can't quite figure Uh. out no. What that is, unless it is specifically just meant to, and this seems like way too much work for not enough of a result. I mean, not not even from a writing perspective, but from Dr. Octopus, mm-hmm. uh, his perspective. If it is all meant to be a cover for him getting out, maybe I can understand where he's coming from. But it does seem like doing a lot and from the writing perspective, calling it a Sinister Six or making it a second Sinister Six, that's the thing I'm still not quite understanding like the justification for other than the Sinister Six being cool, you know? Yeah,
0: I honestly, I think it's an Occam's Razor situation and like we're, we were expecting more from it just because of the, how this show kind of lines stuff up really well. Because I think it would make a lot of sense if the Sinister Six was a distraction because that would fit in with a the theme and that would make kind of, and that's a very like Doc Ock, like Xanatos Gambit sort of situation to do where it's sort of like, okay, either the Sinister Six kills Spider-Man. If they don't, then at least they he, they distracted him from me doing X. But the problem is that there isn't really a thing that they're distracting him from. It seems like
1: that's maybe the missing step. I think the truth is
0: that he literally like the way that it's written He literally just had these supervillains that were already working for him, got grabbed a couple more, and sent him after to kill Spider-Man, and that was it. That was the end goal, was to get him out of the way. And that's fine. It just feels like it doesn't fit in with the standards of this show and also the fact that the Master Planner is called the Master Planner and is supposed to be a really great planner. Right, So it seems weird for a plan to be kind of a dead end. Like, it doesn't really work into anything.
1: Yeah, that I think really works against it. And that's just, I mean... They didn't name him. You know what I mean? It's not their fault. But, like, him being called the master planner and them doing so many moments where it was like, I have a plan for that. Like, it it makes you examine the plan a little bit more. I do think there might be something in the fact that he would want Spider-Man out of the way, right? Mm -hmm. And the closest anybody's really come to defeating Spider-Man outside of what they wouldn't know about, which is Venom and how that specifically happened Is the Sinister Six. And so, if his plan is to get rid of Spider Man and he thinks that he can improve upon what they did, that kind of makes sense. But I mean, this is a lot more work than we're used to having to do to connect dots for this show. So, it's still, I think it's just going to end up leaving me a little bit confused and. I think the best way to justify it is like Sinister Six is cool and they wanted Spider-Man dead. So we got a Sinister Six episode.
0: I think for me, it, it, uh, the complication that I have, too, is that like I use the phrase Xanatos Gambit. And that's a thing that was coined because of David Xanatos, who is a character in Gargoyles, which <laughs> created and he wrote very well because the whole shtick with Xanatos that a lot of villains do now but I think that David Xanatos is sort of like the sort of like er example of this is that you have like a planned A B C D E F G so like every single failure that you have is actually still getting you a win in some other category and mm-hmm. so I anytime I have I see something done by Greg Weissman I sort of expect him to like he's really good at that stuff so like sure. it, when it's a show made by him I, I would have expected the master planner to sort Sort of be doing a Xanatos type of thing, which, and I, I mean, I would have been fine with that. And it's oh, not every villain has to be like that, but it seems like for the master planner, like doing the sort of Xanatos thing would make perfect sense.
1: Or honestly, just Doc Ock without a special name. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, w- one thing that made group therapy so cool was this this really arrogant attitude from Doc Ock over. His ability to perfectly control this really uncontrollable situation, the fact that he he genuinely believed that he could make this six sum work in a way that benefited him so specifically, I mean, the man's ego is huge. <laughs> Tiny man, huge ego. Mm-hmm. So even outside of you know the specific um, moniker, like you would expect everything to be put together in a pretty meticulous way. It still doesn't really hurt anything. It's just different than what we're used to. Um, Yeah. By now, you and I would have figured it out.
0: (laughs) I think, and I think honestly, I think all of it was done. I think you're right. It was like Sinister Six is cool. Let's do it it gives us a reason to have the Sinister Six and then very quickly clear the board for what happens in this episode. And, I, and like I said, I really do like this episode sort of more in a vacuum, like not related to the last one. Yeah. Because I think that like his master plan is really cool and I'm fine with the way that it's foiled in the end and everything. Like I think it it makes sense for being a big thing to lead up to that ends up, you know, getting foiled because of, of Spider-Man, like, you know, smart things that he does. Like, I, I think all of that works out. It's just sort of like, if feels like there was a lot of work that had to be done to get to this point that was a little weaker than we normally expect from this show. But the end point that we get to is really good. Yeah.
1: Oh, totally. And the one thing worth pointing out for myself and for anybody else who is watching this sort of unspoiled is that there are still pieces on the board that we aren't specifically looking at right now. And they could come up in some way, shape, or form, even if they're not specifically tied to this. So if nothing else, it put a bunch of pieces on the board that previously were locked in prison or a hospital. So um, it could end up servicing things later down the line that might not be this, but are caused by this. So just, you know, dot, dot, dot for me. Sure, sure. All right, let's get to the romantic drama of it all. Yay,
0: I love it.
1: <laughs> it's funny summarizing these things because when it's the romantic drama stuff, really, it's it's a lot of conversational stuff, mm-hmm. and so the only way to like recap it is to literally just recap the conversation <laughs> because there's yep. not uh, there's frequently not subtlety; like they're just talking about what they're thinking or talking about or not talking about what they're thinking you're talking about. You know what I mean? So in this case, they're at a place called the Silver Spoon Cafe and they is Mary Jane Watson, Peter, Gwen, Flash, and Liz. Those are our players at the Silver Spoon Cafe. They're not all sitting together. The, The three are sitting together and, and Liz and flash are sitting elsewhere. So Mary Jane asks Peter and Gwen, if they have any plans for tonight being new year's Eve. So we get another date specifically. Um, and the two get like super awkward. Like, uh I mean, maybe, but uh, nothing uh, planned. Uh, maybe, <laughs> which is funny. And as they're sort of like tripping over themselves, trying to figure out how to answer Mary Jane, we get flash like yelling at Liz to get him another muffin. It's Which is weird. like really aggressive, <laughs> Adult, <laughs> but it, yeah, it 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 makes sense based on where these things are going. But it is also a bummer because one of the last interactions we got from Flash in the last season was like a redeemable character moment, and so it's like such a bummer to have him just. And it makes sense. You you talked last week about like the specific circumstances he's going through, being injured and having his life kind of up in the air. That would revert him a little bit. He's
0: dealing with shit, and he's dealing yeah. with it in a very toxically masculine way that's very bad.
1: <laughs> yes, um, yes. But it
0: makes sense for the type of person that he is in the age that he is, unfortunately. Right. Get me a muffin, some, Liz.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's going
0: to manifest in some unfortunate ways. Yeah. I do think an important part of this exchange, too, that I, that I like is that... MJ is continuing to shit Peter and Gwen very hard and even very extremely unsubtly is like, why don't you two, you know, you two could like go to the ball. Why don't you, like the ball drop. Why don't you do that? And when Peter notices Flash yelling at Liz and kind of comments on it, which, you know, MJ and Gwen obviously are both in the know about Peter being smitten with Liz and how that's hurting Gwen. There's a really nice little like super quick like, glance like of gwen looking sad mj looking sympathetic to gwen and and quickly like putting her arm like on gwen's shoulder i think or putting her hand on gwen's shoulder behind peter before getting right to the next shot like it's it's so like this show is really good with like the body language and everything like like you said like obviously the conversations are very not subtle like gwen even is like that wasn't subtle like (laughs) like she calls (laughs) it out but i still think it's like it's despite again despite how like simplistic all the designs are and everything and how cartoony things often are like they're so good with like these little human moments that are always mm-hmm. happening with these characters like in every like in every moment in in the background and no matter what's happening like yeah you can always tell where they're at emotionally
1: yep yep you know not that this is the first time we've said it but the simplistic design has nothing to do with doing less it actually has everything to do with doing more i think and they really capitalize on it Yeah. So Peter gets annoyed, like you said, but Peter also leaves the table because like their order is called, which is a great coincidence for him because then he goes and stands in line with Liz, which of course is not great for Gwen or uh, Mary Jane who ships him and Gwen uh, (laughs) because now they get to watch Peter talking to Liz in line.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, Gwen, I I, I, I love I love Gwen and Mary Jane's little friendship that they have
1: because Gwen like
0: is, is very clear that like, yeah, well, clearly he's not interested in me he's interested in Liz but thanks for playing thanks for trying anyway yeah and I'm just like no he's you know he's just confused and then it, it's funny because it's one of the first times I ever I've ever seen MJ like have a faux pas in this show he's sort of like I, I think Liz is getting back together with Flash anyway and Gwen has the very astute observation that's yeah. like so I get to be runner-up like that's not a that's not a good thing
1: yeah that's a good point Mary Jane so infrequently makes like a social misstep
0: yeah. And I think the only reason that she does in this case is because she's acting with more knowledge than Gwen has, which she then sort of like kind of fixes the situation by telling Gwen like, no, I only say that that's a good thing. And that's <laughs> that's you're not runner up because our two aunts talk and his aunt said to my aunt that you're all he thinks about. And that's <laughs> that's clearly means something. So, you know, and, and that actually like kind of perks Gwen up a lot. So I, I, I like that. And it's all true, even though yeah. like what happens at the end sort of is going to ultimately, unfortunately, upend that a little bit. Yeah.
1: Well, when, when Peter doesn't have anything in front of him, right, when there's yeah. nothing nothing dangling in front of him, nothing sparkling off to the side, nothing getting in his way, Gwen is the one he thinks about. But like MJ said last episode, like he's just so easily distracted. And I love in this moment she says you're all he thinks about, and then she gets in a little dig when he's thinking at all. And I was like, oh, I ah, forgot about that. Keep calling him stupid. (laughs) MJ really
0: gets Peter. Like it's good. I love it (laughs) so much. Yep, yep. Because she gets everybody. She's just she's just that's her
1: superpower. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's great. So at the cafe counter where Peter is picking up their order he realizes that what he got was wrong. And he says this to the, the people. He's like, wait a second. I think maybe this isn't mine, but it turns out that all the technology is just sort of screwed up and going wrong. So like the register kind of like freaks out. So the, the, the person at the, ca- the cash register is like, I'm sorry, I can't help you. Everything's going nuts. And then like the barista gets shot in the face, I think with like a cappuccino machine. <laughs> um, and then the manager is basically just like, we're done. Like, sorry guys, we got to shut down. What we end up learning is that this is another, not just a test, but it is another example of Doc Ock controlling technology from afar. And we see him sort of monitoring this situation, like he's specifically watching the cafe. And then when everybody starts leaving, he sort of like to himself, thanks someone, not clarified immediately, but clarified soon, thanks somebody there for having their GPS tracking on their cell phone, which I thought was such a funny thing to have to clarify at the time, because now in 2020, 10 years later, I feel like, or I guess over 10 years later, we would all just like assume that all of our phones could be tracked right um, but i feel like 10 years ago when like the iphone 4 and the galaxy s1 were like you know just hitting the market people wouldn't necessarily consider that common knowledge
0: yeah like they have to actually explain that that's a thing you can track <laughs> your yeah. phone
1: it's so funny. exactly yep yep yep
0: i do i like i like this little misdirect too it's really quick but like you know, they don't specify who they're after. Your first thought is obviously yeah. like, oh no, they know who Peter, they know Peter is Spider-Man or something. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's cleverly done.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's not overplayed.
0: No, not at all. You could easily just like not even think about it and still be kind of shocked when it happens because it takes yeah. a while. I think it, it does. It's good. It takes a while before you understand like what's going on and, and why any of this is happening. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, yeah, it's really well done. Oh, by the way, I just have this note. I don't know why it's here as opposed Ooh, to anywhere wait. else. But my note just says, I love seeing everybody in their cute winter outfits.
1: <laughs> 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 that was worth it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like when, char- yeah.
0: when cartoon characters change their clothes. It's always nice.
1: Yeah. No, I do too. I think it's fun.
0: But yeah, so... Doc Ock activates his amplifier and uses it to like draw all the police officers out of midtown. Like there's a funny joke that I think like it's not it's not really a joke, but I think it also kind of is a nice commentary on like how any anybody that's in sort of like a desk slash customer service slash oh, yeah. just doing what the computer tells you situation is, which I've been in before. So I get it. Like the, the officers like are asking like, why are you sending us all the way up there? And the dispatcher is just like, that's what my screen says. Like, yeah, which, I don't know.
1: I'm just reading this to you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, that's how that stuff works. Like you're yeah. just like doing what you're told. Cause that's, you know, <laughs> you trust that's the your theater, role. Man. I mean
1: like, that's, that's what that, that's part of what you are there to be doing. Right. Like.
0: Right. Yeah, so no one questions it, so that means there's going to be very few, if, if not any, uh, police officers in that area. He also messes with the traffic signals, which, is, of course, is going to cause a lot of car accidents and chaos. And amidst, amidst the chaos, there's a crowd, obviously, that's forming outside, and everybody's like kind of like like rubbernecking at the, at the car crashes. Oh, for real?
1: <laughs> Get inside, you idiots. Like, there's right? cars crashing all over into each other, and you're just like, Huh? They're, like, walking closer to the accidents. It's like,
0: people, good lord. You're living in a city where there are supervillains. You know that this shit is dangerous. (laughs) Go home.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's so real, though. That would totally happen in real life, too. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it would. It What's would. What's happening over here? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and like, it's Gwen's worst day ever, honestly. Because like, it really is. Because like, right. So the the crowd's moving. Flash bumps into her, and is just like, out of my way, nerd, or whatever, and keeps walking. so of course she's just like, oh my god, everybody, I my self confidence is just getting beaten into a pulp. And while she's standing there, and no one is looking, <laughs> Electro shows up, electrocutes her, should knock her out, and then Vulture swoops in and. Flies away with her. So literally Gwen's worst day ever.
1: I don't know if we've talked about this specifically because I don't remember. And it doesn't really mean anything or matter. But I really love the sound that Vulture's equipment makes. Oh, yeah. It's good. It's just like a light hum. Mm Mm-hmm. Which works really well for how this show explicitly explains his tech. I just like it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's hover technology, so yeah. it makes sense. It makes you can sense. hear
1: it, but it's clearly meant to be quiet.
0: Right, right. It's a, it's a subtle subtle addition, but it definitely like yeah. adds adds a lot to the scene at the same time. Yeah.
1: So Peter does manage to actually see Vulture carrying Gwen away just before he gets away. And he also, after this, like, looks around to try to assess the situation and sees Electro getting into a getaway van. And naturally, he suits up and he follows the van. He, he ends up following, the, I don't know if this is where he clarifies it or, or if he clarifies it later, but he ends up following the van uh, because Vulture basically got out of his line of sight. So he figures if I follow the van, I might be able to, to end up wherever vulture ended up. Right. So despite wanting to follow the van quietly and like just kind of stay back and and end up where the vulture is, the plan doesn't really work because Doc Ock is monitoring everything and informs Electro and Tinkerer that Spider-Man is following them. Tinkerer, being smart and rational and calm, initially is like just we'll 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 get away from him, like we'll outmaneuver him, no big deal, but Electro, being the opposite of all of those things, is immediately like, no, I'm going to blast him out of the air with my electricity, which then destroys a ton of stuff uh like buildings and vehicles and them because ultimately the chase sort of like ends with the van crashing and being overturned. So good job, Electro. Yep.
0: yep. Good old, good old Electro.
1: Yup. Yup.
0: <laughs> I don't know if it's, I think it's in this. Yeah, it's in this sequence. Like, so Spidey very quickly like kind of lands on or like jumps off of like the front of a theater, and it's Kingsley Theater first of all, which I think is interesting because like I think it's it's a Ben Kingsley. I think no, that's the actor. Isn't yeah, that's Roger Roger Kingsley is like is is a Hobgoblin in the comics. I think
1: uh, I
0: don't know much about him, but just calling that out. The Kingsley Theater probably not probably intentional, but also the name of the show I guess that's playing in that theater is. It ate Barstow. What? Google that. Nothing came up. Don't know what that means. Interesting. <laughs> no idea. If you, if you know, huh. contact us because I'm very yeah. curious. That's not a theater reference that I know.
1: Yeah. Uh, feel free to send us any little things like that because this show includes a lot of that stuff. I don't know when it is, but there is a point at which Doc Ock is watching one of his monitors and whatever he's watching is classified as SSM 117. And obviously the SSM I think is meant to be Spectacular Spider-Man. Mm. But I couldn't figure out what the 117 was because it didn't, it didn't line up with any – it certainly didn't line up with Spectacular Spider-Man issue 117. It also mm-hmm. didn't line up in any way with Amazing Spider-Man 117. And I didn't really look further than that. So I'm not really sure what the 117 is, if anything. But I'm sure there's a reference there, too. So if you ever know a reference that we skip over or don't get, feel free to let us know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because if we don't mention it, it probably means that we just didn't notice it or didn't know what it was. Yep.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to shout out our Spectacular and Up patrons, Gemma Nicole, Katie, Joe, Greg, Mike, Flux, Eric, and Carl. If you would like to
0: join our Patreon, we have a ton of great bonus content waiting for you. We have our Spider Bites, where we talk about pretty much whatever we want in the Spider-Man universe, such as comics, like the current Miles Morales series, and classics like Kraven's Last
1: Hunt. Sometimes we do deep dives into Spider-Man stuff, like our miniseries on the unmade Spider-Man movies. Or we spin off into other topics, like the Blade movies or the Firestar comics. Sometimes we'll do some bonus content just because we happen to have it, like Peaks Behind the Curtain or how we make certain episodes.
0: And if you join us at the $5 Spectacular level, you also get access to our After Dark commentaries where we let loose and talk about shows that aren't Spider-Man related without a filter. Shows like Gargoyles, Batman Beyond, Muppet Babies, and more
1: ultimately these are the types of things that we're gonna talk about anyway so recording it and making it available on patreon is our way of saying thank you so much for supporting this show and letting us do the types of things we really want to do whatever tier you opt into thank you so much whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by we appreciate that too from your friendly neighborhood podcasters thank you so after their van crashes we cut back to doc Ox lair. Ox And Vulture delivers Gwen and delivers Gwen's phone to Doc Ock. Using this, Doc Ock, under the guise of Master Planner, ends up calling Captain Stacy. Of course, Captain Stacy thinks it's Gwen at first and then is in for a surprise when it is, you know, not Gwen and is this, like, weird modulated voice. So basically what Doc Ock sets up is that in in exchange for Gwen's safety... Uh, Although he never really explicitly calls anything out. Like there's not really much of a deal being made here, Mm -hmm. which I don't know if is worth noting or if it just wasn't something that was necessary, but there's really not much of a deal here. But in exchange for Gwen's safety, Doc Ock demands that captain Stacy helps him acquire what he calls the global portal codes stored at Homeland security at a HQ in New York city. And he says that this is going to give him access to every computer or I think, I think Captain Stacy says this, that that would give him access to every computer in the country and probably the world. So obviously Captain Stacy's like, no, I'm not going to do that. But Doc Ock has Gwen and is relentless about it. And so naturally Captain Stacy's like, I'm kind of stuck here and reluctantly yeah. agrees to help Doc Ock.
0: Do you think it's real? Do you think Homeland Security just has codes that gives you access to every to to satellites that then give you access to every single computer in the entire world?
1: You know, I want to say no, but also <laughs> part of Homeland Security is like not good, so yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, <laughs> or not maybe not not uh, I don't know. I don't know. I either. feel like they're utilized in ways that are not good. Sure, I'll say yeah. that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. I don't fair know enough a- to
1: say that they are just inherently not good, but I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if somebody says, no, Doug, they are in fact inherently not good. But I can confidently say used in ways that are not good.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's true for a lot of. Yeah. Of, 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 especially uh, American uh, institutions and, yeah. uh, and organizations. Yeah. Yeah. So I want
1: to say no, but also wouldn't be surprised if. Uh, if there was something that you could take advantage of, uh, that would basically fuck over the whole world.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I, <laughs> I like this scene a lot because it's in, in like in the this is it's sort of similar to what I was talking about um, with the Gwen and Mary Jane stuff too, where it's just like there's a lot of little details. This show always does it, but I think this, I just noticed a lot more in this episode. Sure, because like the phone call that 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 George is on while he's talking to Oc, like there's a little bit like he's he's walking around he shuts his door while he's talking um talking to him you know to get privacy obviously yeah. and then there's like a lot of just like it's it's a thing that's it's, like it's you just it's you just would have to watch it I can't describe it in a way that is like exciting but like just the way his eyes move while he's talking and like the way like like puts puts his head on his or his hand on like his, his his disheveled hair when he's talking about it and everything like there's just like so many little details that did not need to be there because it's already a tense phone call that is very well acted and the fact that like they add these little human moments to it that like the types of 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 acting choices that you would see if this was a live action drama and he really was the chief of police in his office on a stressful phone call like it's stuff that like I feel like I've seen cartoons not do and this show very actively tries to make the characters as like active and human as possible in every moment.
1: It's the kind of stuff that in a live action scenario you would notice were missing but wouldn't notice are present right um, which is exactly what you should aspire to which we've talked about before Um, and I think cartoons frequently can get away with not doing it but they shouldn't get away with not doing it.
0: Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, the show just, you know, they don't they don't pull any punches in terms of animating characters for
1: sure. Yes. Yes. So, we cut back to the site of the crashed van and Spider-Man only finds the Tinkerer. Electro is not there anymore, uh which I guess we will revisit uh momentarily. But he tries to take advantage of this fact that he's got the Tinkerer there. He ends up, like, threatening the Tinkerer in, in an attempt to get information. But the is like, you're Spider-Man. You're not going to hurt me. Like, I'm not going to tell you anything. Like, I'm on to you, buddy. <laughs> and so Spider-Man does the, like, I, I mean, I am i shouldn't call this the Batman thing. I just am remembering it specifically from Batman Begins where he does this with his, yeah. like, grapple thing. Because I feel like that scene is, like, <laughs> like just in my brain for some reason. But sure. he does the thing where he, like, suspends Tinkerer over like the sidewalk from a really high spot and drops him, but then catches him. And when Tinker is like, ha ha, see, I knew you wouldn't drop me. He drops him again, which actually works. Cause then he can say like two strikes, buddy, you want to go for three? And that's when Tinker is like, okay, okay, okay. Okay. I get it. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to test this further and agrees to talk.
0: Yeah. From there, we cut to Doc Ock uh, beginning to remotely walk captain Stacy through the Homeland security building. No big deal. It's all going to be fine. Yeah. Whatever. Um, so you know that's going on and there's like a lot and I think there's like this transition and there's a ton of of them throughout this entire episode of like shots of like reflections and scene transitions that go like in and out of Ox goggle
1: things that he wears yeah let's talk about those things (laughs) because they do I know we have we have briefly mentioned them just from the perspective of like what are they (laughs) and whether they are good or not I think I'm generally in the in the camp of they're not that good. Sure. But they are fascinating in this episode because there is so much reflected in them. Mm-hmm. But what's what's strange and what I couldn't help but think about watching this episode in particular is that sometimes they feel like they are a single sort of like pane of glass or plastic or something and his eyes are underneath them being expressive, right? and that all you can see through them is just like the shape of his eye. Then there are other times where they look very specifically like goggles that have a specific physical lens that something is being reflected in, and it is very confusing, and we're never going to get an answer because it's purely a stylistic choice. Yeah. But I will forever wonder, unless I get to meet one of these creators, are they goggles, or are they just glass over his eyes? (laughs) What are they? (laughs) Yeah, I must know. <laughs> yeah,
0: whatever it is, it's kind of an abstract thing because you know right. they they don't make sense in very in a very cartoony way.
1: You know what? Honestly, it is. It's it's very similar to Spider Man's eyes in yeah, most yeah. cartoons, where it's like those shouldn't be moving, but you have to make them move to have an expressive character. Sure. And I think if it, I think the idea is probably that they are goggles, but you can't just have his eyes not move. Right. And so sure. I think they create that. They basically make the lenses move like you would make Spider Man's Eyes move.
0: Which is fine. That's I'm, my I'm, best guess. And they do I think they do a lot of cool stuff with his goggles in this episode than they that they haven't done before, like stylistically, that I really like. And and I've praise the I praise Jennifer Goyle as director because I'm well I don't I'm assuming that that she came up with it, that she came up with it or or whoever the storyboard artist was that that did yeah. if it wasn't her just using the goggles in the way that they do because it's a I've, I, I've definitely ever seen this show we've talked about eye stuff a lot there's definitely yeah, like right. reflections in eyes in many shows but the extent to which they do it and the fact that it literally like signals scene transitions like mm-hmm. when he's looking at one screen of a th- scene in one goggle and then moving to the other one with another scene that's happening that he's watching on the TV. Like it's really yeah. elegantly done, I think, and, and really artfully done.
1: It adds a certain depth of field that the show typically doesn't explore because it tends to keep itself really flat. Yeah. Um, which isn't bad. We've, we've talked ad nauseum about why it is as flat as it is, but yeah, it's notable because it adds a certain depth that you're not used to seeing here.
0: Yeah. It's great. I dig it. I dig Very it.
1: Very cool. Very cool. hmm
0: hmm Yeah. So you know, Doc Ock's watching all this stuff on his screen and, and everything, like we were saying. But meanwhile, what he he will also see very shortly is that Spider-Man is entering the lair through the underwater back entrance, which I assume that he Tinker just told him how to get there that way.
1: Yeah, so Spider-Man looks at a building. I have a question. Okay. okay. Spider-Man looks at a building that I, I believe he considers to be the lair because he's like... Like what is the building he's looking at in the city I guess is my question. Is I don't that know. is that the lair but but not the lair? Like what is that building?
0: I think that it's a thing where the lair itself is is underwater right. and that building is probably just like the, a cover that it was all built under. And with the Tinkerer probably because we don't see what the Tinkerer tells him. We don't know how right. much information he gave. So any information that Spider-Man has and is using, I'm just assuming the Tinkerer just spilled all of his guts.
1: Well, cuz he says I can't go through the front door. So he at least knows that he could get there through that building, right? Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that.
0: I think it could mean that there's, like, he, you could go into that building, which is a totally perfectly normal building, and then maybe there's, like, a secret elevator to get down yeah. there. Or he means that literally that he can't go in through the front door because there is no entrance through the front door <laughs> and you have to go underwater. That's a good it could point. could go either way.
1: That's a good point. Yeah. I just am fascinated by if that is meant to be connected to the lair. What is that building? <laughs>
0: That's I mean, why I, I know... don't think it's it's really, I think it was there before and that layer was added to it.
1: Gotcha. Still want to know what the building is, but I guess I shouldn't care because superhero properties have tons of like very obviously menacing buildings in the middle of the city that like everybody should be suspicious of. So who cares? It doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter.
0: <laughs> yeah. But like I said, you know, Doc Ock's got all his screens. He's got cameras everywhere. So he's going to see Spidey trying to infiltrate the entrance and he does see it. Immediately. Yeah. So he sends Electro to stop him, like, literally as soon as he gets into the building, uh, because he's busy right now coaching Captain Stacy as he infiltrates Homeland Security.
1: I love the line delivery where Doc Ock instructs Electro. He he (laughs) honestly doesn't say more than I think I'm busy or something to that effect. Um and Electro just immediately knows, like, oh, okay, I should I should take care of this. <laughs> it's great. Yep, yep, yep.
0: God, he is so good. Like Peter yes. Nichol is such a such a good doc He's so yes. good.
1: I love it. <sighs> Beautiful. So uh Captain Stacy ends up entering some sort of monitoring room and he talks to like a couple FBI folks, uh saying, like, oh yeah, I got monitor duty, and they're like, Yeah, it sucks, it's the worst. And while they're sort of like shooting the shit, the vulture ends up attacking Homeland Security. And this is something that those two agents see on their monitors and sort of begin to react accordingly. There's this interesting moment where Captain Stacy is like, I'll report it. Um, And they're like, no, 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 that's fine. We'll do it. I don't totally get it because... Him reporting it wouldn't actually help more than what actually happens. Yeah. But I I guess I can just chalk it up to him being nervous and weird and awkward in this moment because his sure. daughter's being held hostage. So ultimately, like, the two agents who were like, we're bored, end up being completely occupied by Vulture attacking their building. So yeah. Captain Stacy ends up taking advantage of this, which ends up working really, really well. And he downloads the first chunk or some significant chunk of necessary data from one of the consoles they're sitting at. And they don't notice because one of them ran out of the room and the other one's like talking on, uh, on like an intercom or something. Yeah. Um, so he just like walks out before she even notices. I mean, she like turns around and is like, Oh, Hey, by the way, sorry, we were, you know, short with you. And he's like already gone.
0: Yeah. The the device that he uses for this, I know that it's Marvel superhero doc ock technology, but I do think it's funny that like, it's basically like a micro SD card yes. that, also has, that also has a light on it that is plugged into a port with like little teeth as if it was like a USB port except <laughs> with like micro SD card type teeth. Yeah. Um, and he sticks it in there for like three seconds. It blinks and then he takes it out again. Yeah. That's <laughs> all it that takes. Got all the information. Special su- <laughs> supervillain technology, I guess. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's funny that in so many proper, like there's two types of that moment, right? Like, either that moment where you're trying to download something from a computer is like instantaneous and no big deal because it doesn't need to be and so it looks exactly like this where it's like beep boop bop got it or yeah. it's used for like extreme tension like in whatever I, I think it's an Iron Man movie or something mm-hmm. where like uh, Gwyneth Paltrow is like sitting at a desk like uh, uh, are they gonna show up and then like it's it ends up being like a whole big dramatic scene because like shit isn't downloading fast enough yeah. Like, there's no middle ground. There is no like actual like middle between those things. It's either instantaneous or it ends up being like uh, a total fumbly, like almost sitcom situation.
0: Yep. Or you have the Into the <laughs> Spider-Verse version where they're just like, fuck it. We'll just take the whole computer. <laughs> <laughs> That's true.
1: That's true. Option C, please.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So as Captain Stacy kind of succeeds at the first part of his little goal, Spidey does succeed in the first part of his little goal by finding Gwen. He finds her suspended in a cage, but of course it's just before Electro arrives. So
1: he also almost calls her Gwen.
0: <laughs> this save is so bad. He's like, "Don't worry." G- girly girly and gwen doesn't even like i mean luckily gwen is distracted by having been kidnapped but it's just like what oh you dork (laughs) yeah
1: i almost wish there was a moment later where she was like did you call me girly (laughs) (laughs) just because i feel like she would have been able to deliver that really well
0: yeah yeah so electro's there and, you know, Spidey's like literally just like, it'll be fine, Gwen or girly, like everything's gonna be great. And then, literally, like, right after he's assured her of that, Electro's, was like, here's some electricity. And that <laughs> knocks, Electra goots Gwen and knocks her out for one of like four different times in this oh, episode. Gosh.
1: <laughs> I hope she takes a week off. You know what? It's New Year's Eve. So, honestly, like, what better time to get knocked out four times than like your two week winter break? that's true
0: although <laughs> she did literally just get kidnapped and almost die like what a month ago like thanksgiving true. was when the venom stuff happened and she was clearly traumatized by that Oh like, goodness! oh man poor and girl. she
1: almost got crushed by a tree like a week ago <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh my god oh, just ridiculous. move
1: move get out of new york why does anyone <laughs> live in new york in the marvel universe honestly
0: I mean, why does anybody live in Gotham? Why does it, I mean, you know, why Why are we living in the United States of America right okay. now? Okay,
1: all right, got me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh God, this Easier is Easier said to be than done. In a, a fun escape, but nothing ever is. It's all terrible. <laughs> so she's knocked out again. Electro, as usual, is completely out of control in a giant rage machine. So that means that his electricity just like blows up and damages some equipment. So Master Planner is sort of like, Demanding over intercom because I guess the electro doesn't wear a headset or whatever. Honestly,
1: I don't know how he would. Yeah, have we seen
0: him do that? I'm trying to think because I, no, I guess not. When When he's wearing his
1: helmet, wouldn't he be able to? Because his helmet sort of like, I don't know, I I guess it's not a big deal, but it's not. I mean, I'm just curious.
0: It works for the writing of this because Spidey hears that the master planner is declaring over the intercom that Electro take the clash (laughs) elsewhere, which very quickly clues him in to be like, oh, he said that after smashing equipment, obviously the equipment is important. So we're going to use that to my advantage.
1: And he does. I mean, basically what he does is he's like, I can very easily keep Electro pissed and I'm going to do that. And, you know, this episode isn't as heavy on the misdirect and focus stuff, but it's definitely still there. And we said last week that Electro is just like the mascot for this, and that's, that's what happens. I mean, Spider-Man basically completely distracts Electro from the order he just got from the Master Planner to leave, and yep. Electro just destroys like the whole fucking place.
0: Uh-huh, yep, yep, yep. He doesn't even try nope. to think through this. But it, yep. it yep, checks out for Electro. I like like when, when, when Spidey's like calling him like different divergence of Max. Like He not only says like typical Max names, it's also like Maximilian yeah. Maximum.
1: <laughs> oh, you know what I just thought about? Max wouldn't have been filled in as none of the Sinister Six would have on the Master Planner's plan prior to him being revealed as Doc Ock. Right. right. They didn't they didn't know he was Doc Ock. Do you think that Electro is still either resentful or hesitant to follow the orders of Doc Ock based on their experience in the hospital and his perception of Doc Ock as Otto Octavius? Or am I yeah. looking too deep into that?
0: I don't think it's explicit in the episode enough to say if it was that was an intentional choice, but I, I f- would fully buy that. I don't think there's any he reason not to
1: completely dismisses Doc Ock. The moment uh, Spider-Man starts egging him on and Spider-Man eggs him on by saying like, oh, you're going to take orders from that guy. And Electro's like, oh, take orders from anybody, which could just yeah. be a thing. But also, I I don't think it hurts that it's Doc Ock.
0: Yeah, I think that you could definitely attribute his 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 particular version of rage and frame of mind to that. I think that that checks out a lot. Yeah.
1: So we get a little bit more of Mission Impossible Captain Stacy. Uh, he makes it to the next location, which just kind of looks like, I guess, a server room of some kind. And then we pretty quickly cut back to Electro, you know, blasting stuff all over the room. This time, as he's throwing electric blasts all over the place, he ends up sort of like uh, screwing himself over because he ends up hitting like a beam, like an I-beam of some kind, some sort of some sort of support beam from the ceiling and knocks himself out. But what this does is it ends up, like, cracking the ceiling of the chamber they're in, which starts to allow water into this chamber, which we already know is underwater. So not good.
0: Yep, yep. Doc Ock is continuing to instruct Captain Stacy, and Stacy eventually is sort of like, okay, I know we're at the very end of your plan right now, but I need to talk to Gwen or else I'm not doing any of this. Like, I think it's literally the last step, right? Like, you just need to yeah. plug in the, the the little chip thing, and then it'll all be over. Yeah, Um, the plan
1: itself I don't get, but I just know there's three steps, and he did two of them already.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Ak does, like, reluctantly agree to let him talk to Gwen, you know, knowing that that's the only way that this is going to work. But in the now-flooding chamber, a tentacle enters the room from the wall to retrieve Electro, and Spidey's like, ooh, Oh, a, a mechanical arm! I know somebody with mechanical arms.
1: Mysterio.
0: <laughs> yeah, actually. <laughs> but yeah, so that's what he calls out. Like, hey, Master Planner, some secret identity from an expert. Don't sign your work, Doctor Octopus. And that's when he got the line that I referenced earlier. Where he's just like, "Oh, how spectacularly clever of you to, to guess, have guessed the truth after I revealed it." Uh, I which do is like really that. Funny. I think it's hilarious. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I love that. You're not clever, boy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, oh! you saw an arm come out of the wall? Guess what? Literally everyone else knew this. You're the last one to know. Come on,
1: buddy. <laughs> yep, yep.
0: <laughs> um, even more tentacles emerge from the wall to retrieve Gwen, but Spidey tosses the still unconscious Electro into five of them. There's multiple moments of unconscious people being tossed around in this episode, by the way. Yeah. It's yep, wild. Yep.
1: <laughs> Lots of being knocked out. I do think this scene's kind of cool, though, because It is. You end up see so the way that they set it up, it, it, they're in this big chamber and Doc Ock is in like a control room, right? And he's watching everything on a monitor. And so when Electra sort of like loses control, Doc Ock is like, I gotta step in. So you see these you see the first tentacle come out, and that grabs Electro to keep him from dying, I guess, or something. I don't know, just to get him out of the room. (laughs) And then you see three more tentacles come from one side of the room, three more tentacles come from the other side of the room, and one of those six tentacles grabs Gwen. And that Peter ends up saying, or Spider Man ends up saying something to the effect of, like, if you're going to dance with my date, I'm going to dance with yours. Mm -hmm. And so he ends up leaving where Gwen is and going over to Electro, which prompts all of the tentacles not occupied with Gwen to follow him. And that's how he kind of like manages to take everything out at once. Cause then he can sort of like turn it around and fling electro at those tentacles, which leaves only one to deal with, which is like kind of brilliant. Yeah.
0: I thought
1: it was really clever.
0: Yeah, I agree. And it's all it's all, like I said, very well animated too. So yeah. it's it's all it's just a really it's a really cool Sequence and a really creative way to use Doc Ock's tentacles, even when Doc Ock like literally isn't even in the room. Like it's so it's so well handled.
1: Well, and I love, I said this in his first episode, or maybe I mean, probably every time he's appeared, TBH. (laughs) I love not necessarily the look of his tentacles in this series, but I love that they do not care to have any limit to their length at all i know that the tentacles in the room are not the tentacles on his back but even the tentacles in the room just can go as long as they want does not matter Mm -hmm. just like his on his back like i love that i don't need my doc ox tentacles to make sense make them as long as complicated and ridiculous as possible thank you totally
0: (laughs) totally on board yeah it's great yeah all the action this episode is great because it's so creative because they aren't just doing just typical supervillain fights like all of them punchy punchy yeah, all of – I mean, not that other fights on the show have ever been bad, but, like, this one in particular is such a unique one because there's, like, particular goals. You have, like, the unconscious Gwen that's always a factor. You have the fact that they're in, like, a closed space and, like, they have to sort of – and, and like, the villains are supposed to be avoiding, like, hitting certain things. And so there's that added factor and the fact that, like, a big challenge is all of these just – different arms that are coming out of the walls causing problems. (laughs) Like it's such a unique type of battle that's happening right now. I love Um, it. And it's, yeah, it's so well executed. Despite all of that cool stuff that's happening, everything's failing, like Spidey's winning. So Doc Ock is like, fine, I'll do it myself. Good lord.
1: I love that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So he enters the chamber, slams Spider-Man into a wall, as he's wont to do, and grabs Gwen, still unconscious, right back.
1: Ock kind of continues to wail on Spidey. They make him so menacing so successfully. Uh-huh. He, like we said last week, just contributes to the number of fights where Spider-Man gets his ass kicked. And the thing with Doc Ock is he, like, almost never breaks a sweat when he's doing it. Mm-hmm. I just love it. I love it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's so good. This that's one of the things I think I really like about this episode is that it's just like all the fights are just great. Like they're so brutal. (laughs) They're brutal and they're never boring. They're just like, yeah. And they're really like, it's almost kind of like it's like diverse types of fights that are happening within the fights too. But you know, so Ak is, is wailing on Spidey. The two are continuing the clash. But like throughout all of this, of course, there's going to be damage to the facility around them. So, like, that's just a natural thing that's happening no matter how much Ock theoretically is trying not to. Yeah. And Spidey even, like, kind of redirect, uh, or, or, or Well, Doc Ock is trying to, like, use one of his claws like a saw, like he does, uh, which I love. But when he tries to attack him, that's when Spidey, like, finally redirects it into some of the tech. And it's in a way that, like, it severs a server or something like that. So, basically what happens is that it completely overloads, like, Doc Ock's, like, neural capabilities. Like, he says that Without the server, he's not able to sort of, like, compartmentalize, I guess, all the information or control what's coming to him. So it's, like, all coming to him at the same time, like, yeah. overwhelming him. So basically, basically, the thing on his, on his, on the the chip on the back of his neck is connected to the server that's, like, inhibiting the information that's coming to him. It's an would inhibitor you, chip.
1: I was just going to say, would you call that an inhibitor chip, perhaps? It's an <laughs> inhibitor chip. We finally got an inhibitor chip. Uh, should I get a tattoo of an inhibitor chip on my neck? I think you should. You think I should? That actually sounds fantastic. Hmm.
0: I don't think you would regret that.
1: I don't think I would either, because then everybody would ask, and I would frequently have the opportunity to plug to say, our podcast. To plug our podcast <laughs> and say one of my favorite word combinations ever, which is inhibitor chip. So, hmm, I'll consider Hell it. Yeah. Hell yeah! When the pandemic is over. <laughs>
0: hmm. But but yeah, so this obviously this is gonna weaken him because he's like basically getting like all the information the entire city, I guess, into beamed into his head at the same time. Um, (laughs) So sucks. uh, Yeah, so this this forces his hand. He has to disengage from like the amplifier thing, and he's just like, you know what? Fuck this. We're just gonna self destruct everything.
1: (laughs) I love him so much in this moment. Yeah, what they do and how they specifically change his attitude in the moment and his, his posture and his behavior and his line deliveries and all of that is so good because he, he's winning and then he is overwhelmed and he has to destroy his own work and also just went through basically like a mental trauma. And like you said, it's just like, you know what? Fuck it. And then when he actually ends up like leaving the premises, he's sort of like dejected and is like, God damn it. And I love that. Like, it's just, I don't know, they, they handle, like, you, like you've been saying, like all this body language stuff. His body language is just so different in that moment when he's kind of giving up and, and setting that self-destruct sequence. It's, oh, so good. Mm.
0: Chef's kiss. Yeah, it's good. And I like his little line when, as, as he kind of gets into an escape pod where he's like, enjoy, he tells Spider-Man, like, enjoy your tomb. <laughs> good, good shit.
1: Oh, Yes.
0: Yeah. And that's, you know, that's when it's if if you hadn't like noticed it up until this point, there they were sort of I like how they were sort of gradually leading up to this because you start getting more and more of like water starting to pour in, the lights turn red, and so like you may or may not be clued into like what the iconic <laughs> thing is happening, but it's very clear once it actually happens. So basically because the un- because this underwater chamber is crumbling, as as Spidey's trying to get out, he like he he's able to like get get Gwen to like kind of a safeish place but not before being pinned under a massive piece of equipment and it is a very super direct homage to the final chapter which is a very very famous uh Spider-Man comic issue and it's one that homecoming also like directly has yeah. an homage to as well it's weird mm-hmm. it's it's so funny to me that that's such an that's such an iconic thing that seems like it will be so easy to do but i don't think it was ever done in a Spider-Man adaptation until this show. And it wasn't done in a movie until homecoming, which seems like, I don't, I don't think the nineties show ever does an homage to it. Or if they do, it's like so abstract that it's like not done this way.
1: Because the imagery of this is so very specific and that he's pinned and there is water dripping on his head and down his face. Like it's very simple and specific.
0: Yeah. And it's just surprising to me that it like took this long for it to be like done because it's such a it's such a striking image and ultimately a very simple like there's nothing complicated about it. It's just like he has to believe in himself and lift it up. (laughs) That's all it is. Yeah. But although in this case, they add add some nuance to it that I really like. And I guess the original version, he was like trying to get the serum to Aunt May or whatever. So it's not like he's just believe just believing in himself, but it's always from the idea of like. I have people depending on me and I'm going to use the energy of knowing that people depend on me yeah. to like give me strength. So I, I like how they sort of dovetail that into this ongoing Gwen arc that's been happening in this season right. um, because, you know, he, he has his brief little moment. It was just like, it's too much. I can't, I don't, I can't do anything. Like, you know, this is all, what else could they, what more, what more could they ask of me? I literally stopped a world domination plot and that's great maybe this is just the end and then he sees Gwen and then he recognizes like no I'm I have to help her like yeah. I ha- I that's that's not enough like she's she's the person that I that I'm here to save um so he uses that that sort of like energy and inspiration to throw the equipment off of him in a great sequence where he's literally like flexing his muscles so hard that it rips his costume
1: yeah <laughs> show us those long johns
0: hell yeah <laughs>
1: Although they weren't, they wouldn't be the thermals because the thermals had hearts on them.
0: <laughs> he could have gotten one other pair, maybe. I guess like so.
1: Cream. Maybe got some for Christmas. <laughs> it was on
0: his Christmas list.
1: There you go. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I do like that. Gwen, throughout all of this, has not woken up. Literally, like thrown onto a like a metal platform. Doesn't wake up, but she does wake up when she hears a loud sound. So
1: there you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So he ends up, you know, he, like you said, he throws this big piece of tech off, tears his costume, all that. Gwen is now waking up, and he, he retrieves her from on top of the, I think she was on top of the cage, I think is yeah. where, he, where he ended up putting her. Which keeps her away from, like, the flooding room, which is which is smart. So he grabs her, and they, they nearly leave the room. But Gwen points out, like, what about that guy over there? And indicates that Electro is still there and still passed out. And spider is like, ugh, ugh. Okay, fine. Because
0: <laughs> they they very much play up that like, oh yeah, if you use your muscles to the extent that you're closed the rip, you're gonna be hurting. <laughs> yep. Like they play that up very very yeah. nicely. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yep. So he he ends up grabbing he ends up grabbing Electro. He throws him in. They they end up going to one of the like a the same kind of pod that Doc Ock just used to escape. Spider Man even throws Electro into the pod and is like, please don't touch him. It will hurt. And then they 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 leave before the chamber explodes. They actually do like a pretty cool, a couple shots actually of Gwen, like preparing to pilot this little pod and -hmm. like how stressed she is about it. And I don't know. I don't know necessarily why that stood out to me, but it really did.
0: Oh, it does because I, well, I think that like knowing how much trauma that she's been to in a very short amount of time that we we were just talking about and that this show hasn't been afraid of acknowledging that that's a thing that's going to stick with her. Seeing her, yeah. Being able to, like, push through that and be the hero in this moment. Because Spidey is literally, like, about to pass He falls on the ground,
1: doesn't way. he? Or, I like, don't he's leaning he fall- against a wall or something like that? No,
0: he's sitting in the chair next to her, but literally, oh. like, his eyes are almost closed. And he's just, like, shaking from, like, soreness and pain yeah. and exhaustion. Um And she recognizes that. And that's the moment that sets her off to, like, her, fa- like, her facial expression changes to, like, determination. And that's she literally, right. like guides it up so i think it's a really great empowering moment for her considering all the shit she's been through
1: yeah oh that's such a good point yeah you're right that's awesome so now that they have escaped and the underwater chamber has exploded we cut back to captain stacy and homeland security and we see that vulture is called off from his attack via comms by the still dejected doc ock i actually like this moment too if only because we don't really Get Vulture in, in, is not like super multi dimensional in his portrayal once he becomes the Vulture. Right. Um, and so I like the fact that Doc Ock calls him off and Vulture's only response is just like understood. And I don't know if if that's because he thinks Doc Ock succeeded, but I, I imagine that based on the fact that they're kind of like friends, as much as these two can be friends, hearing Doc Ock, he probably is just like, shit, okay, all right. <laughs> like, I I get it. And then he just, he leaves. And that's kind of the end of their their attack on Homeland Security. Mm. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. uh, Or maybe we won't find out uh, if he he knew or didn't know. I'm curious to see what the aftermath is, considering where all the pieces have ended up.
0: Especially considering, too, that, like, we've, in this episode, like, Vulture is so, like, pleasant and respectful to otto like they have so like so many pleasant exchanges and everything which is such an interesting contrast to like the first episode when they're introduced and there's all this animosity between like every party and now Mm -hmm. it's just like oh i am a scientist who recognizes your brilliant scientific mind so like i think that i'm i'm very it's one of those like relationships that i'm very curious about Like going forward. And I I could see a world where I ship the two too, actually.
1: I thought about that when I was watching it and I decided I don't. (laughs) Okay, fair. (laughs) But I I, I will admit that I think that is uh, specifically motivated more by not – not that I don't see the ship. I get it. I totally understand why you could or would ship them. I just don't think I like Vulture enough to invest myself in actually deciding that I ship them.
0: Yeah, I think – I mean, yeah, I think that's that's
1: fair. That's fair. <laughs> Look, ships or lack of ships don't have to be logical at all. <laughs> yeah,
0: I like the idea that like he's a he's he's a sub and Doc Ock is the dom, in the relationship like it's uh hmm. it's fun.
1: <laughs> that's interesting, specifically because I feel like Doc Ock and Otto are two very distinctly different. Right. Personas. Exactly. And so I feel like that, if you're going to do that, okay, here we go. Here we go. You've gotten <laughs> to the shipping segment of this episode. It's not even a segment ex- we always explore.
0: Sighted listener. <laughs> but,
1: but here's what I'll say I would more readily understand and ship Doc Ock and Vulture, but it would specifically need to be Doc Ock and that particular persona because I do think the idea that he is domineering in any particular sort of relationship that he has even for people like vulture who are confident and who are knowledgeable and who are capable you know what i mean i feel like that is an interesting interesting dynamic to explore i feel like it would result in something where vulture is much more in admiration of doc ock than is the other way
0: definitely
1: I feel like it would, if you were to really explore this, it would probably go in places where Doc Ock is like pretty dismissive of Vulture despite um, using Vulture. <laughs> uh huh. Um, and, and I guess we'll just leave it there. <laughs> yeah. I
0: think those, that's a
1: very fair assessment. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I get it. I see it. I feel it. Yeah, yeah. The ship conversation is relevant because the end of this episode is very much uh, about ships, anyway. So yeah,
1: it all it all makes sense. Yeah, we're just transitioning, guys. It's a segue, okay?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because you know, uh, just to close out this whole plot, like. Uh, since Stacy gets the call, gets a call from Gwen, so he knows that she's safe. He knows the plan's all over, so he destroys the little flash drive, micro SD card thing that he was using yeah. uh, to carry out the plan. So it's like a final, like okay, it's over, we're done, not gonna happen. So that's all good. Um, and then that's when we cut back uh, at home. It's like literally about like just a few minutes from um, from the ball dropping. And Peter calls Gwen's phone. Uh, he's a, it's suggested that he's been trying multiple times to get yeah. to Gwen. Um, and May is even like, clearly like shipping them, too, because it's just like, oh, I'm sure she appreciates it. It's very <laughs> nice. You two are so cute. But he's trying to call her over and over again. And this time it's Captain Stacy that, that answers. And he's, he's, he's got Gwen's phone and is like, nah, it's, she just went through a traumatic event. I'm not going to literally talk to kids about the relationship drama right now. Bad timing. Yeah. Which is just... fair.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, he doesn't know Peter from, a, you know, any other kid at school, necessarily. Well, I mean, he knows that they're, like, best friends. I guess what I'm getting at is he he doesn't have the context of knowing that Spider-Man was involved in any of that. So it's just, like, teenage boy calling. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, sure. He just wants sure, to
1: spend sense. New Year's with his daughter. <laughs> his traumatized daughter.
0: <laughs> Who almost just died. Yeah, yeah. He had to deal with, like, ransom bullshit about. Yeah. Yeah. It it, it it makes sense.
1: And I do think that clarifies itself, by the way, that Gwen reacts, right? Like, I don't think it, – it, it feels – and this is – I think this is subtle, but it, it does feel more like he is not necessarily limiting people's ability to access Gwen f- because, like, he's scared because she was traumatized so much as, like, I just want to be with her. Like, yeah. we just want to have peace like right now, like you are not an enemy. This is not bad. Like I just, because he's he's playful when she comes in. You know what I mean? Like it's not like he's explicitly trying to like forbid the two from talking to each other. Oh yeah, no. In he's this being, moment,
0: he's, he's being a good dad. <laughs> yeah, he's even being if it's sweet. Like, it's 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 not the best thing for him to do, but in his mind, it makes sense. And it's yeah. it's, it's objectively like I fully I fully understand yeah. and even agree with where he's coming from. So totally. he's being he's being a good dad. He's a good daddy. But but, you know, Gwen comes in and she's surprised that he has her phone. And <laughs> yeah, so she's like she it, Peter can hear Pe- hear this in the background that Gwen's like, no, give me my phone. And he's like, no, you're <laughs> no young lady. You're staying with me. You know, they're there. Yeah, yeah, they're playing with each other. It's fun. It's cute. But while that's happening and she's trying to wrestle with the phone away from her dad, the doorbell rings, which is weird because it's like almost midnight. And Peter opens the door and Liz is there.
1: I know, right? This
0: is just so. Oh God, my heart like breaks, but is also like confused. And this whole like in in an like in an intentional way, where it's just like I don't. I know how I feel about this, but I also don't know if it's the right way to feel. And like I've yeah, it's it's so so many things are happening in this moment. It's so brilliantly done, honestly. Yeah. Yep. It's super artfully done because basically Liz is at the door. And Peter's surprised. And meanwhile, he's still holding the phone, by the way. Yeah. He, he's surprised that she's showed up and she's just like, hey, you know, I ended things with Flash for good because I realized that I really want to be with you. And then as the ball drops, she kisses him. The New Year's music is playing and they pan down to the phone, which is still in Peter's hand and is still connected to Gwen. And she's finally gotten her hand on the phone and she's saying, hello. Hello, hello. Uh-huh.
1: He's
0: kissing Liz
1: Allen. Uh, it's it's okay. It's so good and so frustrating, right? And it's only as frustrating as it is because it's so good. Like yeah. it's so good. Ah. Uh, and I, I still am. You know, we we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago. I still really feel like Liz Allen is not a not bad. Like it. it like I, I don't think she's ever portrayed as being bad or someone we're supposed to root against explicitly like they've done such a good job confusing the situation in a a realistic and frustrating way that 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 leaves you walking away from these moments being really confused right like you're, you're at the point where you're like oh yes they're they're finally finally after all these traumatic events they're finally going To just talk on the phone or say the one little thing that's going to clue each other in that's going to open the floodgates. You know what I mean? And then you have this really naturally occurring moment where Liz shows up and you're like, none of this is bad. Nothing she's doing is bad.
0: No. And they have, like, they have real chemistry together. Like, I... like. If the Gwen stuff wasn't going on, I, I would want to see them together. I think it's like we were talking about it before. Like it, it, their relationship would make sense to, to yeah. be in a relationship together. So it's like, yeah, it's just the timing is just awful. If this happened in the first season when Gwen hadn't like shown her attraction to Peter, like it would – be fine, you know, cause, cause like it would still suck for Gwen, but it still, you know, would be firmly her fault for not ever expressing her emotions to Peter. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, I, I, or at least it would be a little bit more forgivable, but like in this I case, would, just... I would
1: argue that it would be incredibly sweet. Like, I think if, if there wasn't the situation where we were supposed to be like, like, uh, like explicitly getting all of the misconnections between Peter and, and Gwen, I mm-hmm. feel like most everything with the exception of some of the stuff that happened at the ice rink, most everything between Peter and and Liz is actually like pretty sweet, especially this yeah. because it's it's presented as a genuine moment that came from reflection, right? Yeah,
0: well, and it's it's so brilliant that it's it's like a very like not even subtle parallel to the end of the first season yep. when when kiss Peter. The major difference. Being that Liz doesn't run away after she does it,
1: she stands there, and
0: that's the that's like kind of the big mistake that Gwen made, unfortunately. Which Mm -hmm. you know it was it was it's a terrifying moment, and she just didn't have the confidence to stay there and let their conversation continue, or 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 at least follow up with it afterwards. Whereas Liz obviously is a much more confident person, and so you know she's just like, okay, we're here. Do you want like are we going to be boyfriend and girlfriend? Like you know you can you can like it makes sense and it's that's what makes it so heartbreaking is that it's sort of like and, and it uh, and makes it understandably complicated for peter because it's sort of like oh so they're literally like kind of on even playing fields essentially in terms mm-hmm. of like grand gestures of love to me so what do i do with this
1: yeah <laughs> yep uh ay, 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 ay. Yeah. yeah yeah
0: yeah I was really excited for you to get to the end of this episode because I remember I remember that moment happening and it's just such a yeah. such like a powerfully complicated moment in it a way is. that like you don't like I don't know if we ever get we will ever get a moment like this on any other show that we watch. Not that there isn't like complex drama happening, but in terms of like this developed like relationship drama that's happening to end an episode on this type of relationship drama where there is no clear side and 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 any side if you were going to take a side at all is all valid like you know well um, and for the past
1: few episodes they've been sort of they like built up the like they built up to the point where like peter and liz were a thing they complicated it with flash's injury sort of led us into the direction of thinking like oh okay like the liz flash thing clearly isn't over and like someone in that scenario is going to wisen up Either it is Peter wisening up to the fact that Liz is not over Flash. It's Liz wisening up to the fact that she's not as into Peter as she thought she was. Yeah. Um, Flash, like, I don't know. There's there's a number of possibilities. This is definitely not one of the ones I was anticipating.
0: Oh, really? Uh, that's what I was curious about is if,
1: I mean, I guess. No, I've, I figured that what they were building towards was Peter seeing Liz differently than we have been seeing her so far. Based mostly on the ice rink stuff. Not that she would be bad or anything like that, but just realizing like she's she's still clearly into Flash, and he does believe that, right? Like that's the result of that rink moment is him believing that she's still into Flash. Yeah. Um. And I think that confuses things. It doesn't. He doesn't swear her off clearly, but he at least has that inkling mm-hmm. uh, enough. And so does Mary Jane. Like, it's obviously clear to everybody that that is still a potential thing. Yeah. So the fact that that's, like, out there, I, I was kind of expecting that to be the direction because, again, for so long, if not the entire fucking time we've been watching the show, we have been waiting for Peter and Gwen to connect. And so it's still good. I swear to God, and I, I don't even know how you're going to contain your, your, your ability to react or not react to this. <laughs> I swear to God. If we get to the end of this series, which I know we will approach before we know it, and this is not resolved. <laughs> 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 oh
0: my god! Why Those do you are make my this, feelings. Why do you make this so hard for me? Like, oh my god. Um, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna pivot from that to say I, th- yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think it's really. I, but I, I also think it's really clever. I didn't really think about this, but like I think that that it adds more importance to the the moment in the. Um, the the coffee shop where Flash is like being just just a piece of shit to Liz yeah. like yelling at her to get a muffin. Cause that probably I think that was the moment that's probably clued her into like, I don't think I'm into this anymore. Yeah. Like, you know, they don't they don't like make that explicit, but the fact that we have that in this episode and then the next time we see her, she's like me and Flash are done. Like yeah. it's a thing that you don't think about while it's happening because we're used to Flash being a dick sometimes and we're so caught up in the in in the Peter Gwen stuff uh generally that like, oh, that actually makes sense as like a major important moment for Liz to make her decision. And I think it's so, so cleverly done and weaved into that.
1: I think it's really smart in that it is incredibly realistic, too, because everything we see Liz go through, if you try to put yourself in Liz's shoes or pretend that she's the protagonist for a moment. Like everything she's going through is really believable, right? Like she breaks up with flash because he's kind of an asshole. He ends up getting injured and she sees him in a vulnerable state that she doesn't typically see him in. So is seeing him in this, this sort of compromised light and realizing like, Oh shit. Like, I do care for him, but then that complicates things because do you care for him in the way you thought you used to or do you care for him because he's somebody you were close to who's now injured and vulnerable, right? So then she's sort of fostering that like potential ember of a relationship or rekindling that only to then be reminded of how much of an asshole he actually is regardless of the fact that he is injured and vulnerable. It doesn't change who he is, and that's sort of what she sees in that moment or the breaking point of seeing that in the cafe of like, wait a second. No, hold on. I broke up with you. You're an asshole. <laughs> like you having a broken leg doesn't change the fact that you're an asshole. And th- then yeah. you get the clarity of like, I do in fact like Peter. And I just, it's funny. Cause I really thought it was going to go in the other direction of, Oh no, I really do like flash. I would have been disappointed by it because flash is such an asshole, but they're not our main characters, So I also wouldn't have been surprised. Yeah. Yep. 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 Oh boy. It's not going to get resolved. I mean, they uh, they had so much planned out. There's no way. Whatever. All right. Anywho. <laughs> now, Peter gets married to
0: MJ at the end of the season, actually. it's, it's Oh, wild. good,
1: good. That's what I've been rooting for is uh, <laughs> underage marriage. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's a time there. skip.
0: after This episode skips like five years after it's over. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this show just goes completely off the rails after this episode. And it just
1: <laughs> yeah. So well, the the um you know the Infinity War and Endgame were actually based on the next episode of this series. <laughs> um, so get prepared for the snap, gang.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I will. Did you ever expect like going into a Spider-Man show and just figuring that we would talked this much about Liz Allen? Like of all characters, no,
1: <laughs> no. Nor would I expect to be as genuinely invested in Peter's relationship drama as this show has made me like it Mm -hmm. is like his relationship drama is a core component of Peter Parker, right? Like I always expect it will be a thing, but I only really feel invested in it. Typically when he is in a committed relationship, that's when I feel invested, not when he's trying to figure his shit out because he's so, so historically bad at that part of it that I'm just like, oh come on buddy so it's like the you know like the um the the series that is uh god what is it called oh renew your vows love that that it has a lot to do with his relationship love it any stories where he's already in a committed relationship with mary jane awesome stories where he's in a committed relationship with gwen totally into it typically i'm like not excited about the love triangles and the 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 will they won't they of it all but this I'm like yeah. on the edge of my fucking seat
0: right because I mean it's I think it's just always handled pretty poorly or you know the women are written to be vapid or or just thirsting after Peter or whatever especially in the cartoons honestly
1: <laughs> um, so this, yep. this
0: this show just really it's and it's funny too because I also think that like for for Greg Weisman stuff I I feel like this is probably like the only example of like T- him writing teen drama in this way because so much other you know like Young Justice is obviously like full of teenagers but they're like all superheroes so is a different dynamic like yeah. this and and then Gargoyles everybody's an adult I haven't watched like Witch or whatever but I think they all have superpowers so like it's <laughs> it, like I think this is this is might be the only instance of him just writing what you could separate out of this show and just separate out the teen drama and it all still would work as a just straight yep. teen drama and still be and you'd still have a lot of investment in it Yeah. and he's and 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 you know I've, there are other writers on the show other than him obviously but sure. as a headliner for developing how the story plays out he's really fucking good at it and honestly i would love to just see him write just like a YA book or something you know He'd, that's I just cuz i think it would be really fun or him to write like for real? like a CW like teen soap or whatever because this show... It, it's just so. It's all just so incredibly developed yeah. in a way that love triangles often are just not. Um, right. It's
1: really good. It's great. Yeah. It's really good.
0: Okay. I mean, that's the end of the episode. The one face of the episode. I'm sure there are funny, funny little faces in it, but I just could not. No. Just this is have, it. This is the moment. Yeah. It's just Doc Ock drinking out of his evil genius mug. Like I. There's nothing. There's nothing better. Th- there's nothing better than that. Yeah. That's, that's Smugging that's and
1: mugging, You know. Yep. it's great great. does he not look bigger i mean we talked about this last week and i was like tiptoeing around the fact that we were going to see him this week but does he not look bigger as doc ock
0: I think it's like his his neck like I think that when he's auto like they just like have him slouching so his neck is gone yeah I wonder how much of it
1: is just posturing you know like so literally whether he's standing up versus cowering but he just like he just looks like a significantly larger person and I I know that can't be the case (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah just that presence you know It's
0: the posture, the president, and it's the uh, the costuming too, because he's wearing like a coat that accentuates his neck as well. It's automatically going to make him look like a head taller. So yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: What a cool guy.
0: Doc Ock, so good,
1: (laughs) so good. You know what else is so good? (laughs) What what else is so good, Doug? Joining the Walloping Web Snappers Patreon.
0: Wow, how can I? Where can I go to do that?
1: You can go on to the World Wide Web and type in patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers.
0: Wow, what can I find there?
1: You'll find all kinds of exclusive content that we create as a thank you for people who support us on Patreon.
0: That's great. If one were to search for you <laughs> specifically as a person, where could they find you on the internet?
1: Ah, uh, yes, you could find me on Twitter at IckyBooley. I c k y b o o l e y. You can also find me on another podcast here on the Four-eyed Radio Network called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast where my co-host Kyle and I talk about Pokemon just as we feel like it. And if you like video games and books and dabble in other pop culture, you can find me on yet another podcast. It's the only place I exist is on podcasts called Novel Gaming, where my friends Vicky, Katie, and I check in with each other on what media we are consuming. What about you, Derek?
0: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find me on my YouTube series, Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media from a positive lens. And you can listen to both of us on another podcast. What? Yeah. Great. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know. I don't News know how it happened. News to me. Weird, right? <laughs> Yeah, I just recorded some of our conversations without to give without uh, without telling Ooh, you, so hope, hope you're cool with that. Totally. <laughs> it is a monthly podcast, so there's one episode per month called Falling With Style. It is an ongoing Pixar movie marathon, so we're watching every Pixar movie chronologically. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, we'll have a little section of it on our website and on our social media uh, as well if you want to. Catch up with any
1: episodes that we've done so far. Hey, speaking of our website, <laughs> you can find that on the World Wide Web <laughs> at wallopingwebsnappers.com. Uh, you can also find us all over the internet uh, on social media such as Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at wallopingwebpod or email us at podcast. At gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find us. If you like what we're doing, somebody else will too. And if you write us a review, regardless of what you write, good, bad, iambic pentameter, we will perform it online and post a video of the performance uh, just for you and the entire world. Next week, we go to a birthday party as the human development arc begins in First Steps.
0: It's the first time I read
1: that sentence. I'm excited for a birthday party.
0: Happy birthday to somebody. Oh. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs)
1: Losing our minds.